And I think that's the purpose of the pitch. So sometimes people say, you know, yeah, but if I don't say this and if I don't say that, I won't understand. But the goal of the pitch is not they understand everything. The goal of the pitch is they're open to hearing more. Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by Asset Presentation Agency 356 Labs. Yes, uh, we not only develop and train people from uh, some of the biggest brands in the world how to prepare and deliver truly effective presentations, but we also organize and host the largest presentation skills conference in the world called Present to Succeed. I'm Boris, the founder of the company and your host for today's episode, and today we have someone truly, uh, truly special, I would say. Um, David is, first of all, one of our speakers for Present to Succeed 2022. Sorry, David, uh, no way for me to not start with that one. Uh, now, what else should our audience know about you? Well, our guest is the author of the book Pitch to Win. Uh, he has trained more than 100, one, wait, 1,400 startups to make outstanding pitches. So, uh, so outstanding, I would say, they ended up raising over 340 million euros in investment. But also, uh, he works with companies like Maersk, uh, PwC, Google, Unilever, Vodafone, and that's to name a few, okay? Is that enough for everybody? David, super happy to finally have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time, and thanks once again for joining us for Present to Succeed 2022. Sure, I'm delighted to be here and looking forward to the conference. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to this conversation, by the way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> by the way, for everyone who just heard the conference for the first time, tickets are on sale. Okay, so you can check it out. Now, we're talking about one of your favorite topics. It's about pitching. Pitching ideas, pitching to businesses, pitching startup, pitching a uh, startup, pitching, etc. However, before we go there, everyone has a story of how they ended up being in the presentation world. What happened with you? Well, I worked for a big company for 16 years. I worked for Canon, the camera company. Yeah. And during that time, I gave over a thousand presentations. And very early in my life, my working life, I got almost forced to learn how to present. So I had a guy called Lance Miller, who was my boss, and he worked in advertising for 20 years. So Lance was the guy who could make a mouse look like an elephant. You know, he was Mr. Mr. Pitch. And he forced me to learn. He, he, he said, this is something that's absolutely essential for your career. And you've got to learn it. And, you know, I was in my early 20s. I'd never done a presentation before, but uh, he was a bit of a master. And I, I picked up a lot from the way he presented. Then in my corporate life, you know, I realized it made a big impact on people's careers, on how they were seen by their colleagues. And so I, I really spent a lot of time making it a strength of mine. And I wasn't brilliant, but I was, you know, relatively good. And it, I think it helped me... Uh, Uh, very much in my career, and then I moved into uh, into pitch coaching. Yeah, so that was the so someone influenced you. Yeah, definitely, it was a a person who, you know, as I say, he he was really good at presenting, and I think in advertising you're pitching all the time. Yeah, and what we forget is that actually in our jobs we're pitching really a lot in kind of micro ways, obvious ways, less obvious ways. You know, you're talking to a potential employee, you're pitching. You're talking to somebody in a meeting. You want to persuade them to take action. You make a presentation in front of people. Actually, it's a pitch to get them to take action. So yeah. we're pitching in a lot of different situations. And uh, I was lucky that he pushed me in that direction. Brilliant. Interesting. All right. So you're saying that we're pitching more or less all the time. Is more or less um, answering my next question, why, which is 
why uh, does a pitch matter? Like, why would we spend, why is, why is someone like you, why someone else hearing this podcast, like, what, why is the reason for them to probably learn how to pitch? You probably mentioned a few of the things, but let's sure. go there very quickly before we so jump into the real stuff, as people say. Yeah, I think the, the biggest macro trend in the world is that people don't have time, you know, mm. and everybody's feeling I'm full. So people's default position is, sorry, no, I'm busy. And what we have to do is break through and get to the point where the, the default is changed to, okay, tell me more. And I think that's the purpose of the pitch. So sometimes people say, you know, yeah, but if I don't say this and if I don't say that, I won't understand. But the goal of the pitch is not they understand everything. The goal of the pitch is they're open to hearing more. And I think that's a, that's a big challenge for people to get to that you, you want to get them past that default of no and get them to, I'm excited. I want to find out a little bit more about this. So I think that's the biggest uh, reason. People are under time pressure and uh, they, they want to hear things quick. They don't want a long presentation. Mm, all right. So let's start with, let's start because we're going to, in this episode, we're going to talk about two different outcome types of pitches. One of them super popular, especially because of the world that we're living right now, startup pitches, which are more or less every single time in front of investors. And then the other one is, hey, a lot of people from our audience are business professionals and people from the marketing world, the PR world, the financial world, technical uh, technology world, etc. They need to pitch their ideas in front of their colleagues, in front of their managers, sometimes in front of customers, right? which is a little bit different than pitching an investor. However, uh, as we as pitching investors is trendy and sexy, uh, let's start there. Like, well, sure. what are investors looking for in a pitch? So I think what investors are looking for is firstly, clarity on the problem that you're solving, and then how big that problem is. So is this something that's really worth fixing? Are people looking for this to be fixed? Will they pay to have it fixed? And is there a big opportunity here? So I think that's the starting point is always, what's the problem you're solving? You can almost say that this is the why of the product. Why does the product exist? It's because there's a problem and a pain that people are really frustrated with or they're losing time, they're losing money with. So that's the starting point. Then the second thing is that they want to see that, of course, you've created a product, but honestly, product is surprisingly not the most important part of the, the story for investors. What they're especially interested in is, have you taken your product and taken it to potential customers? Have you validated that it it fits roughly what they're looking for, at least roughly? And have you learned from customers? Have you found out what you need to improve? And then if you're in business, how is it going? Are you growing? Are you getting more uptake? Are you getting more users, more revenue? So they want to see momentum in the business, but they really want to see you engaging with the audience. And mm. engaging with your potential customers. So I think firstly, a pain. Secondly, of course, a product. But the, the second big thing is engaging with customers, whether yeah. that's validation or sales. And yeah. the third thing is the team. So they want to see who are behind this, who who is getting together around this idea, and are they the people with the skills that, that really need to bring this to the the next level? And on top of all that, they want to know why you. You know, what's your personal motivation? And they really need to feel that enthusiasm. I hear again and again, 
know, I want to see the passion in the eyes of the entrepreneur. And I think that's the same in, in big companies as well. You know, people are making proposals all the time. They want to hear, why do you think it's a great idea? You know, if you're not enthusiastic, why should I be? Yeah. So these are some of the big pillars, I think, for investor pitches. And of course, there's lots of other things like the business model. What do you need to make it happen and so on? But really, the starting point, the backbone is the pain, the, uh, the traction or any validation that you've got, the team and your motivation. Yeah. And when you're seeing that, like you already just mentioned very quickly that some of those things are very similar to the world of business, where especially the passion part and yeah. especially I would say the problem part, like what are we solving and why is it important? But yeah. There are obviously a lot of similarities between pitching an investor and pitching, I don't know, probably the higher level management or whatever. Sure. But what are the differences? Like, how would we kind of separate those two? Like, what do you think? Yeah. So I created a tool called the Pitch Canvas for startups. And I've actually got a version which is sort of unpublished. I, I use it for workshops for companies. And I'm happy to share that to, to your audience. And the, uh, the Pitch Canvas has a, a number of blocks of content. So it starts with pain, product, demo, unique. So what's unique and traction. So what have you done with sales? How far are you? I think these five things are almost the same for startup pitches and for company pitches. You, know, you want to get across the problem, the solution. What does the solution look like? Uh, what's unique about it? So unique selling points, uh, what, what stands out from competition? And then is it already being sold? So those five things are common, but that's, then you get into different areas. In the startup pitch canvas, there's business model, but I don't think customers are so interested in business model. They want to know what's in it for me, for example. Yeah. So I, I changed the, the pitch to what's in it for you. How does it match your strategy? How does it match your ambitions? So for companies, I think that's it. Whereas for startups, it's much more, uh, they do want to know the business model. Yeah. Then the next thing is, for startups, they're looking for investment. But if you're pitching an innovation project, for example, at the board, you might need, yes, money, but you might also need sponsorship. You might need uh, some other things. You might need help from another department. So maybe you need developers 50% of their time to be working on this project instead of a different project and so on. So you might need different things and the, uh, the phases of the investment or the resources might be different. Then the last thing I think is the team. So team is important in both pitches, but for the investors, they want to know about the individuals, you know, mm -hmm. about Jill, John, and Bill. But uh, for the uh, for the customers, actually, they don't care about Jill or Bill. Uh, what they want to know is what collective skills have you got to help me be successful. I, I don't mind who it is. I just want to know what skills you've got. You know, if you've got ten developers and three project managers and uh, for people who are going to uh, manage the customer relations or what is it that's going to be the team that supports me? Yeah. So I think it's a bit different in the team. Both things are important, but there is a different flavor uh, in terms of how you present it. Yeah, good. Yeah. Hopefully people are taking notes here. We'll see how it goes after the episode. We'll see the reactions of people online. Sure. And what about, what about and by the way, uh, the pitch canvas, if you're willing to share, we are willing to share. So Yes. So the Pitch Canvas for startups is available, is freely available. And uh, it's actually being downloaded yeah, 40 or 50 times a day. It was 65 times yesterday. 
uh, by entrepreneurs around the world. And uh, it's been downloaded close to 50,000 times now. And uh, the company pitch canvas, I'll share it as well. It's, it's uh, as I say, slight difference, and you'll see the differences. Maybe it's useful for your audience. Brilliant. All right, we'll make sure that we link that up in the show notes and in the blog posts that are coming up with this episode. Now, David, there are, like, all across the world, people are talking, obviously, everything that you said in regards to what a startup or what a business person has to cover in a presentation, more or less clear, right? And a lot of people are yeah. talking about the topic. There is a lot of knowledge online, etc. However, there is also a lot of knowledge in regards to, or at least a lot of ideas being thrown on the web in regards to slide decks, right? And the yes. slideshow and the presentation, the PowerPoint, the Google Slides, especially nowadays, Google Slides seems very, very popular with the startup world. Um, Apple Keynotes, Prezi videos, many, many, uh, like the, tool, yes. the tooling part and the visual support. Uh, what is the role of slides in the world of in the world of uh, pitching and in the world of successful pitches? What what are you seeing? So my view on this is that slides are there to support the story, and the basic reason why we have slides is we want to engage two senses. You know, we want the the audible so that people listen and that the key messages land visually. Now, one of the basic things which I, people find really difficult, especially if you've worked in a big company for a long time is that people can't listen and read at the same time. It, mm. It's just impossible. So the the pitch deck, as in the, the deck that you use, say, for a three-minute or five-minute pitch, it needs to be really simplified, very little text, key icons, key images, and give you the structure to follow so you remember the story and give them the themes and the key messaging is emphasized in those graphics. Now, one of the biggest problems with that, and I'm sure you've spoken about this in your in, in your show before, is that things like PowerPoint are really good at creating presentations and making documents. So we yeah. make reports in PowerPoint and we make presentations. And the problem is people merge those two things. Yeah. So we have to create one to present, one to send. And that's more work. And sometimes people say, yeah, there's more work. I say, well, yes, it is. But that is what it is. We we want to be understood. We need to make a different format for something which we're going to present than something we're going to send. When we send it, we're not available. So that we need more information in that. But when we're presenting, we need less information on the slides because they need to listen to our story, which is the, the key message. Yeah, you, you as the speaker are the most important thing, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean that slides are not important, not at mm. all. I think you know, I, I was training a team the other day and they had a beautiful slide deck. And, you know, I see slide decks all the time, but this was really on top level. And you can feel yourself feeling like you almost hope this is a success. You almost hope that this is a great idea because it looks so good. Mm. So attention to detail on slide design is really important. And sometimes less is more. Sometimes just focusing on one message per slide, for example. But the, the slide design, it just adds that element of professionalism, of comfort for the audience. There's a lot of things that come with the, the slide design. And the challenge is often to reduce the details and not overdo it. Uh, in terms of the software, I think you know it can be slides, it can be PowerPoint, Keynote, Prezi. To some extent, it doesn't really matter because they, they all have some strengths. But what matters, get the story straight, 
and then use the visuals to support that story. That's yeah. that's what I'm training people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cannot agree with you more. Like the fact that you need two of those, like one for when you're pitching live. By the way, that yeah. is the same for, I think that is absolutely the same for both the startups and the business world. You know, like yeah. both startups, and everyone complains that they don't have time. And then I challenge sometimes that statement and say, hey, how important is this? Like, how important is yeah. this product? And they're like, well, the investment depends on this. And I'm like, now I think you have time. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a fair question, you know, and sometimes the answer is, well, not that important. That's but it's true. okay. And, and if it really isn't, then that's fine. Absolutely. You know, I, I find a really useful three-part question uh, is really handy to answer this. And the question is, uh, what do you want? How much is it going to cost you? And are you prepared to pay the price? So what do you want? Say investment. Mm. What's it going to cost you? Really a stupid amount of time to prepare the pitch. Yep. And it just is. It's not It's not going to be a short process. Yep. Then are you prepared to pay the price? Well, if the answer is no, then it's okay. But then change the answer to the first question because it, it just is going to take a lot of time to sharpen that pitch, get the message right, takes mm. a lot of testing, a lot of finding out what people respond to. But that is the work and that's the job to do. And, you know, sometimes we just have to knuckle down and get, and, and get the work done. But when you succeed, you, you forget all the work. It, yeah. it evaporates. When you have a successful pitch, you don't remember all the work it took to get there. Yeah, completely agree. By the way, that that three phrase, the, the, that three part question is an interesting one. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a very interesting take on it. Like, yeah. are you willing to, uh, like, what are you willing to pay for it? Like, yeah. how much are you willing to just spend the time on it? No, then yeah. change the first. Like, yeah, it's the, actually, yeah. yeah, from a guy called Brian Tracy. He's a, a long time motivational speaker that I listened yeah. to in the, in the 90s and so on. I, I gained a lot from him. But that, especially that three-part question I found really useful in my life. And what's it going to cost you? It's, it's sometimes it's time, it's money, it's rep, uh, reputation or uh, even relationships sometimes with things that you want. Uh, and then, yeah, specifically in things like investment or get the deal with the customer, is it going to, are you prepared to pay the price? Will you put the work in? Yeah. And then be and, honest with yourself. If it's not that important, it's okay. Then let it go. But if it is important, then do that work. Yeah, we also we also say, I actually, two days ago, I had a training with one of our customers and told them, hey, everything that you're going to learn today, I don't want you to apply it every single time. Yeah, great advice. Apply it when it's important and how you define yeah. important. You guys are business people on, very, on leadership roles. You know what is an important talk. Okay, so you, I trust your judgment, but when it's important, spend the time because otherwise you're putting yourself at risk. And I don't see a reason why you would do that. I mean, yeah, there's that's no great advice that you're giving. So what about, what about the truth is, by the way, for everyone that's listening, that more or less, these were all the questions that we were talking, uh, we were discussing uh, to cover. So now I have to figure out uh, some new ones on the fly. So let's mm -hmm. see how that one goes. So, <laughs> so what about what about the successful pitches that you have seen and that you have worked on? Because you obviously helped a lot of organizations achieve yeah. their dream and meet and get this first investment or second investment, or it doesn't really matter which level, which seat, or um, anyway. What, what obviously all of the things that you said, yeah, were part of it. 
you know, like they made it possible because they took all of your advices, worked with you probably on how they deliver, how they structured the story, how they delivered it. Um, what, like if you, because you said that you also have seen a lot of slideshows, a lot of presentations, a lot of pitches, on and on, like if you have to navigate that thing and say, okay, here is one thing or here are a few things that really stand out in the successful yeah. pitches, you know, and these are things that very often the other side, the ones that lose the money or don't get the investment or whatever, for some reason are not doing or they're not doing it yeah. well enough, you know, like, is there anything else that we cannot hear? Yeah. So I think one big issue is talking about what we do. Mm. And this is a pretty common thing. And I, I'm actually in the startup myself and I, I totally empathize with it because even though I'm coaching people every day and you know doing dozens of, of, of sessions every month, it, it's hard to coach yourself. And sometimes when we're pitching our startup, we just want to tell all the work we did because we did a load of work. And so that's on our minds that we're thinking, this is what we built. We want to tell them, this is what we built. But the fact is, what matters is what people can do with what we built, not what we built. It's, it's not about the mm -hmm. technology. And so we, we have to push ourselves to remind ourselves, what do we do? What do we coach people? We coach people, find the pain, identify that pain, make that pain human, and then talk about how people can, uh, can succeed themselves, how they benefit as a result of what you do. So the first thing I think that often goes wrong is that people focus on telling the work they've done. But just focusing on that, it, that's not of, of relevance to the investors. They want to know, how do you make people more effective? How do you save people money? How do you save people time? Uh, what amount of time do you save them? How many people do you save that time for? So that's the first thing. And, and of course, when we talk about here's what we do, it's very easy to get very technical and to start talking about uh, uh, you know, the type of technology or very specific terms. If you're in, for example, life sciences or you're in uh, fintech or you're in, in some kind of uh, really industrial business, it's very easy to get caught up in stuff that people don't really understand. So I think those are uh, really the possibly the biggest pitfalls and the mm. ones who uh, succeed they find a way to get one level up from the detail and they help people understand very simply this is the value that we deliver mm. and uh, so I, I find that that's that's the first task focus on what people can do as a result of what you do not here's what we do by the way, that second part, though, when you mentioned that people are very easily get technical or speak in a way that no one can understand, yeah, how much like I can imagine that you are for sure mentioning that hey, we need to understand who are you pitching in front, like who is going Absolutely. to be in front of you. Tell me, tell, tell me more. Like, how do you? What would you suggest people listening, probably from the business world, but also people who are even if they're in the business world, they may want to switch now. Um, or they're yeah. planning to switch into the startup world. How do you approach? Because there is a lot of talk. We also spend incredible amount of time with our customers to show them just how much a presentation or a pitch can change if you know who is in front of you in detail. Absolutely. You no, know, like tell, tell me more. What do you advise your the startups around you, the business people, those organizations like Vodafone and many others in regards to, hey, we need to understand who the audience is. Like what is yeah. going on in there behind the scenes? 
So the first two steps that I coach of, uh, for anybody is who's the audience and what's the objective. So the audience is about tuning into their world. And what most of us do is we open up PowerPoint and start typing. The problem is we, we need to get out of our own head and get into the world of the customer or the person that we're pitching to first. And uh, that is really about doing the work and doing the research. So for example, if you're in, say, a pitch competition, then you'll know who's in the jury. And you can go to LinkedIn. You can find out what do they like? What do they post? Now, you don't need to do hours and hours of research. You can very quickly find out in five or 10 minutes, what is one person interested in? Is there something that we could tell that would resonate with their interests? And equally, you can find out, you know, are they people who are, for example, very innovative? They love really cool new stuff. Or do they seem like the people who want to just build on what they've got? So if you're pitching a new idea to a customer, you might want to think about, are they really looking to change the world or do they just want to make it a bit better compared to what they've got? Because that will change the language that you use to bring your proposition. So I think tuning into the audience is actually, I've been doing this for eight years with pitch coaching. And I would say in the last six to eight weeks, it's become even more clear to me that the more time you spend trying to understand who you're talking to, the better the pitch will be. And, and, the, and the less time you spend, the more likely it will go off. And uh, so I, I, I encourage people a lot to focus on the audience. Who are you talking to? The more time you spend understanding the audience, the better your pitch will go. That moment, I think, is like so, so true. Do you, by the yeah. way, do you remember moments with your customers where like on top of your head, you know, like if you don't remember anything, let me know. But sure. do you remember moments in time, like moments in the past where someone from your customers found something crazy, interesting on LinkedIn or somewhere on the web for someone that's going to be in front of them and then used it in a clever way, not in a spooky way, right? And yeah. won the hearts and won the, won the competition or did an incredible job there? A really good one. So when I, I coach people to talk about the team, mm. and sometimes uh, it's a bit difficult to find something that really stands out about the team. A lot of team descriptions are a bit generic. So sometimes I, I would say, you know, if you, if you climb mountains together, if you run marathons together, and these two guys in a team that I was coaching said, oh, we've, we've climbed mountains together. And I said, have you, you got any pictures of that? And say, yeah. And so they... They had a pic they showed me this picture of these two guys on top of this mountain out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It's, you know, it's, it really looked like the top of the, the Himalayas. Anyway, a few months later, they were I was talking to them about a pitch competition, and they said, We found one of the jury members likes mountain climbing. I said, Well, put that picture in there. And sure yeah. enough, it, it resonated. The guy asked a question about it. I said, Oh, I see you're you're mountain climbing. I'm also really interested in mountain climbing. I mean, mountain climbing, you need to work as a team. This must really help you, right? It immediately landed with the audience. You know, so I think you can find something. You know, in the end, people are just human beings. We like our own world. We like our own interests. And if somebody taps into our interests, we're inevitably going to be more connected with that person. So I think taking the time to, to find that little bit of extra connection with them can, can really make the difference. The same with investors. You know, Sometimes you find an investor who's got a particular 
interest or a particular focus. They might have a, a hobby. One of my customers is really into barbecuing, for example. All and right. so, you know, I, I make a habit of finding out a little bit about barbecuing. It's not my main topic, but I, I know he's interested in it. I really like him. Actually, he's a really cool guy. And, uh, you know, I, I want to be connected both professionally and personally. So I spend a bit of time to try to understand why would be somebody, somebody be so interested in barbecuing and just ask a few questions about those things. So I think it's important to, to get connected. You know, I, in my first job, we had a, a salesman uh, called Glenn Harris. And my boss was Lance. Lance was marketing. And Lance always said to me, you know, I couldn't do what Glenn does. You know, Glenn, within the first 10 minutes of knowing somebody, he'll know what their, what their kids' names are, how old they are, where they live, whether they play golf. You know, he'll know almost everything about them that they, he needs to know within 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm just not interested, Lance would always say. <laughs> Couldn't care less. But for that salesman, getting to know those people and this, you know, just you can translate that to pitching, tuning into that audience. It, sometimes even just one sentence can really bring somebody in that just resonates with their their life and their interests. Yeah, by the way, what you said about the hobby, we and like one of the ways that anyway, we had so many cases with startups that won competitions just because of very good understanding of the jury, you know, the people yeah. who want to judge. One of them was we found a very interesting quote from um, one of the people from Lufthansa who was in front of our uh, our startup founder. And we were like, okay, let's take the risk and use his words against him, you know, yeah, in a non-creepy way, of course, you know, like yeah. non-creepy way. And that you can see that because we put uh, we have put this um, quote at the beginning of the talk, so that it's unusual. It's like okay, is the the presentation itself more or less more or less starts with it? Uh, I would say that they this guy didn't even he still didn't have any idea about the product itself. I think that he gave the award and gave the investment to that person to Alex, who is the founder of that company, even before him actually presented the product. Right. And that's, and that's because just his presentation was just so different than all of the others that he just has seen, have seen in like, because before Alex's presentation, there were like six or seven more. And all of them were those typical talks, you know, so boring, so usual, so much expected. And then there is one guy, guy that his slides look incredible. He approaches him in this way, etc. But once you said the hobby, we had a very similar story, but the, our customer was telling us uh, how his salespeople found that um, C-level executives from a Swedish car manufacturer, let's see yeah. who the company is, uh, it's not Koenigsegg, the other one. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so that one, actually, uh, this guy's Facebook profile turned out to be public. And so this, the guys uh, at the company, those sales guys, researched his prof, opened his Facebook profile and found out that everything he shares, everything he likes, comments, uh, publishes, everything was one on the, on the same subject, you know. And it turned out that, obviously, that was his hobby. And his yeah. hobby was that he was riding horses, you know? Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, and he was riding some of those like very boutique, very premium, uh, very expensive uh, breads, of course. Yeah. You know? 
And so they included a comparison between their product and the experience of riding such type of course. Very nice. Yeah, you know, and they won that deal just because yeah. of that, you know. So for everyone that's listening, careful here because this thing can change the whole story of the talk. And yeah. for me, once the story changes from there, the design will follow, you know, and the design of the slides will also change once the story changes. And as you said, a lot of people yeah. jump into PowerPoint or anything like that first without going and doing the most important work saying hey what do i want to achieve as you said you know, who yeah. is going to be in front of me it's crazy absolutely and i think that example you've just given is is a proof that in the end people who are judging things are human beings whether exactly. that judging is as a customer as an investor in a competition you know they, they've all got a rational head but they've also got a non-rational heart yeah, emotional and, yeah. And these two things are working together. And sometimes one is much stronger than the other, but uh, and often the rational is more more leading, but the the heart is is making quick decisions, and we make decisions about whether we like stuff really quickly, and then we look for the facts to back it up. And you know sometimes something that just connects with people as a human can be the most powerful thing. Yeah. so, my final question on the topic will be, what was the biggest, like, what was the worst startup pitch or or business pitch that you have experienced that failed in front of you? You know, like just one that you experienced. But before, uh, I'm giving yeah. you some time as a very uh, good moderator, obviously, uh, to think about that. Uh, I'm asking the audience who is listening to this one, how do you guys think I'm dealing with the fact that we don't have any more prepared questions for the last 20 minutes? doing right i'm doing quite well right so <laughs> back to the important part do you have a do you have a moment in time like do you have a story uh from a few years ago where you experienced like the worst thing that like you were asking yourself how is this even possible like why did those guys do it this way or gals did it this way or whatever like do you have yeah. something like that yes actually uh it's from two tedx talks and, it, and right. the same thing happened in these two talks, but th there was a different result. So there was one TEDx event I uh, uh, trained at, and one of the speakers was so incredibly intense. She was almost desperate to make it a success. Mm. And you could see in the practice work that she was doing was so intense, was so brainy and so constant and I'm not, and I, I'm actually a big fan of keeping practicing, but you need to have little breaks uh, between practicing. So I've mm -hmm. seen people who practice up to the last minute and it works a charm. It works really well. But this was very intense and she was desperate not to forget anything. And it happened. And mm -hmm. in the middle of the, of the TEDx uh, talk, she actually froze. Now, they actually give advice at TEDx events about what to do if that happens. And they tell you, just stop take time and then restart so that we can edit the video so that you will have a perfect video. So it might not be perfect on stage, but you'll get the video. But this totally went wrong. She just started saying, oh my goodness, and oh, it's going terribly. Um, I can't remember what I was gonna say. So it came out like a lot of stress. Then, so that was kind of a, a disaster scenario because the ideal thing, if you forget, is just to stay calm mm. and just simply tell people, really sorry, I've lost my place. Give me a moment and I'll find it again. And then just take a moment, go back over the things that you've said and pick it up again. And yeah. that happens quite a lot. 
Now, I also saw a TEDx talk, and it was at TEDx Amsterdam a couple of years ago, and it was the first person speaking. And he started speaking, and three minutes in, he also froze. And he actually said in the microphone, oh, God. <laughs> and so clearly was he was melting. Yeah. But what happened was, because he behaved very in a very human way, not in a kind of, oh, it's going terribly right. He was like, oh, yeah. no. Like any of us could have responded. It, the whole audience started cheering him on. They were saying, it's okay. You're doing fine. It's all right. And honestly, up to then, to be perfectly honest, the talk had been really boring. I, I really was wondering, what, why is this person on stage? And from that moment, everybody started cheering him on. He picked it up, and it became really interesting. I'm not sure what happened. I think he, he just realized, you know what? If I do screw up, people aren't going to hate me for it. They're, yeah. they're actually going to support me. All right, let's just give it my best. And in that moment, it switched from being you know, very painful, but because he reacted like a human being, oh, no, I've screwed it up. Everybody supported him, and away he went. So I think how you respond when things go wrong is – you know, as things can go wrong, they, they will. It, not, it will never be perfect. And, uh, you know, you, if you do 100 presentations, some of them will go wrong, either technically or you forget something or whatever. And the best advice is just to stay calm, stay human. Don't worry about it. Tell people, hey, we have a technical problem. We're going to fix that for you. Just hold on. Or if you forget, just tell them, hey, I messed up. Just hang on and I'll pick it up again. And they'll support yeah. you. And I've even seen somebody who did that in a pitch competition, and the same thing happened. Everybody cheered them. Then they picked it up, carried on, and they won the competition. So people don't hate you for making mistakes. They they almost like it. They feel it's more human. So it's interesting to see what happens when when something goes wrong. Absolutely. That is, I completely agree. 37 minutes into the podcast, uh, we covered everything from my notes, plus more. Uh, so now going going back to one of the original questions in this podcast that sure. we ask everyone who is that one person that you think we should invite on our podcast here like one name from the presentation industry from the startup world or from the business world not that startups are not businesses that sounds kind of strange uh, hmm. but just one name that made an impression on you for one reason or the other like what do you think Going well, there's that? actually a guy uh, who I really like a lot for his attitude towards pitching. So it's a company called XPV, E-X-P-I-V-I. And uh, the founder there, Babak, I've seen him over a number of years. Uh, he is, I've done, I think now, five training sessions with him. Okay. And he, he was good at pitching to start off with, huh? but he's invested at least... I know at least five or six hours of intense time and forget all the preparation and the work that came after yeah. it, but just face-to-face -face time with me uh, for various programs. And uh, that time that he's invested, you know, a lot of founders just don't have time to do those things. Yeah. They say they don't have time. But he has been constantly improving his pitch. And actually, his business has exploded in the last, uh, the last year. I mean, like really exploded. And they have a, a 3D modeling system for online shopping. It's basically for any product that has options, so color options or mm. uh, accessory options, and they 3D visualize that instantly. And it, 
right now, of course, that COVID has kind of driven that online uh, business. But what I like most about him is I've seen him before the business took off yeah. and he was down to earth trying to improve his pitch, always there trying to look for that next little bit that would make it better. Yeah. And here he is now, the business is exploding. He's got you know quite some revenue and it's, it's, yeah. it's going really fast. Yeah. And he's still there just a couple of weeks ago, trying to improve, trying to make this better. And you know, those people that have that attitude to their pitch, they have the same attitude to their business and Absolutely. they're going to make it a success. So what was the name of the company? X? XPV. I think it's EX or it's just X. P-I-V-I. I can show you the name uh, uh, later. And uh, the founder is called Babak. B-A-B-A-K. All right. You, uh, we can f I'll find it afterwards. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. One last here. What is the best place for people to connect? And second part of this question, um, not only where, where are you most active so that people can connect with you, but also where can they find more about everything that you are doing? Because you're doing, obviously, some really, really cool stuff, both for business, the business world and the startup world. What are those sure. places? I'm taking notes. So my, my website is best3minutes.com. So that's the word best, number three, and minutes.com. Oh, with the number. All right. Yeah. And uh, uh, that actually, okay, my, my wife came up with that, uh, that idea. She, uh, I was writing a book called Three Minute Presentation, and Three Minute Presentation wasn't available. And she came up with the idea of best three minutes. And yes. uh, then uh, best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. And uh, uh, I'll be very happy to connect with your listeners. Perfect. David, we can talk about this for many, many hours. Uh, that, is, <laughs> that is an easy one, I think, for both of us. And we are sure. both super passionate about the topic. Um, thank you so much for joining. And thank you so much for, again, for... Even though it's very early, it is actually now that we're recording this, is it the, it's the end of April 2021. Yes. And we're already planning uh, the conference that you decided to join us, uh, that you decided to join and help us with your knowledge in regards to pitching and all of that that we just discussed, but probably a little bit more in detail in, during the event. Um, can't wait, by the way, already for, for that session. I think it will be a very important session for everyone because, again, as part of the conference, we have only business people there, you know, so they are being asked to present, but we also have startup sure. founders. There are not that many, uh, but there are a lot of business people and they're being asked to present their ideas constantly. Uh, so you bringing that knowledge to them will be absolutely brilliant. And hopefully a lot of people will join us for that one. Thanks again for joining. And thanks for, thanks again for sharing everything. We are going to make sure that we link the best3minutes.com website, the LinkedIn, up your LinkedIn profile and you have to share us uh, the, the startup pitching canvas that you promised. Yes, I will do. Which will, which will link uh, up also for everyone who is interested. All right. Really, that was nice. That is, by the way, 43 Great. minutes already. Thanks again, really. That was super nice. For everyone, every one of those resources that I just mentioned will be in the show notes, will also be in the blog post coming with this episode. Find it out, check it out, check what David is doing. It's super nice. He is also posting a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, I would say. <laughs> I would say that is super useful. In the meantime, also check out our website, 356.com, and the conference that's coming up in April 2022, Present to Succeed. If you don't know about it already, check it out for sure. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it, share it with a friend and see you in the next one.